Welcome to Praise Assembly. Good morning. Hey, if you are our guest here today, well, you've got Connect cards in front of you. If you would grab one of those, fill it out, and return it when you're heading out today at our guest services uh, desk, that would be fabulous. We'd appreciate that. Then we can thank you for being here. And uh, we're just glad to be able to have you here, whether this is your first time or third time or your 785th time, we're not sure, but we're just glad to have you here today. And uh, we're going to receive this morning's tithe and offering. Just as a reminder, today is National Speed the Light Day. Give that a hand. Give that, that's right. Give up some love for what God's doing through Speed the Light. And uh, we have our National Speed the Light Director, Eric Hoffman, here today. He's going to speak to you in a bit. Uh, but uh, we're going to be taking a second offering at the conclusion of today's uh, worship service. And so just be prepared for that. If, if you, you aren't prepared to give and you're wanting to give today, you have until, uh, say, the last Sunday, in, 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 uh, which is the 29th of October, to be able to do that. But uh, he's going to talk to you in a bit, mention our, talk about our project. But then, again, that's a, that's a second offering at the conclusion of our worship service. But right now, we're going to be receiving our main tithe and offering. So let's pray together. Lord, we honor you again. You're so good to us to help us give us practical ways that we can keep you first, that we can remember that we belong to you. And God, I thank you for this offering. Bless it uh, to the furtherance of your kingdom, your purposes, and your plans. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Yeah. 
together we sing everyone sing holy is the Lord God Almighty the earth is filled with His glory holy is the Lord God Almighty the Worship team, appreciate you guys. Hey, as I said before, this is National Speed the Light Day, and uh, our our district, the Pennsylvania Delaware District, we put together a video. I want you just to check that out. for students and adults alike to say yes to Speed of Light. Praise God for Speed of Light. Hey, we got some students here to have your Speed of Light t-shirt on today. Where are you at? Where are you at? I was, yeah, why don't you stand up? Stand up over. Be proud. Come on, stand up with your t- Give them a hand today. Yeah, you, they had to buy these. They had to buy these at convention. And uh, these are like the mo- these are our district Speed of Light shirts. And I uh, appreciate you guys. Thank you. You can, be sit- you can sit down now. Excellent. But uh, hey, we've got, uh, we've got a few announcements before we, we uh, introduce our guests today. Uh, but t- today, 74 years, Jim and Faye Rowan. Give them a hand. Are they here? Are they here? Okay. No. Well, hey, if, uh, if you get a chance to send a card or something, I'm sure they would appreciate it. 74 years. Some, most of us here haven't been alive 74 years, and they've been married longer. So that's incredible, incredible. Uh, we got the Mar- Book of Mark Bible study going on on Wednesday nights. We have our honor-bound men's breakfast this coming Saturday, the 21st at 8 a.m., inviting all men, come on out to that. We have our girls' ministry's annual harvest dinner that's going to be the November on November 8th. Make sure that you pre-order. You, have to, you can't just show up. You need to pre-order. It's a great way to have dinner and support this great ministry we have. So if you would do that, that would be fantastic. And then... Uh, we have uh, uh, okay. I read that wrong. Okay, there's a work day. It's not a speed the light event. The work day is not a speed the light event. But October eighth, uh, October twenty eighth, from eight to eleven is a fall work day. We got stuff we got to do outside. A bunch of you have signed up. We're looking for a few more people. 
And we end it with cheesesteaks. I mean, you can't beat that, right? So that's going to be a good day. And I know that the ladies' morning out, they just had their ladies' day out in Lancaster yesterday, but they got their morning out coming up on uh, October 19th at Cracker Barrel. Make sure you uh, make note of that. A lot of great things happening. And uh, just make sure you uh, grab your bulletin, put it in your pocket or something, take it with you, you know what's happening, what's going on. Well, today it is our privilege to have Eric Hoffman with us. He is a guy from the Berg, so all you Pittsburgh people, whatever, uh, you should absolutely love this guy. And uh, he has been a part of local church ministry, um, staff positions, youth pastor. He has led a district as a district youth director, and now he's leading um, our fellowship in the way of really next-gen giving uh, in regards to Speed the Light and even BGMC. And so if you could put your hands together and welcome this morning, Eric Hoffman. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. All right. How's everyone doing? Good. We awake? I'm not. Just have to let you know, I uh, spent all of last week in the Oregon district, and uh, I got into town late Friday night, so my body's still telling me it's 7.30 a.m. Uh, you would think I would get used to it by now, being that I travel nonstop. Uh, but I'm not, so as soon as I get used to East Coast Central Standard Time, I fly back. Actually, I go to Alaska next weekend, and I'll be uh, with the Alaska District at their youth convention and speaking at a church in Kenai, Alaska. But I do this all the time. Uh, I love to travel. I love meeting new people. I love sharing God's Word. Uh, I am from Pittsburgh, and people, you're either for that or against it. I just tell people we just like champions. We like the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we like Jesus, so it just works, okay? So, um, so no, I'm not partial to anything. I, uh, I served in the Illinois district for a lot of years. So if you know anything about Illinois, they have two major league baseball teams. They have the Chicago Cubs and the St. Louis Cardinals. They don't claim the White Sox for some reason. Uh, but being a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, that was a lot of tough years being in that state. So uh, go Phillies. How many Philly fans in the room? All right, kudos to you. At least you know what it's like to celebrate a winning baseball team. I was two, so when Pittsburgh won. But uh, I just have a lot of fun, guys. I, I really believe that God has set me up to lead this generation of students. So as I'm looking around the room and I see young people, I get really excited. I'm charged up. So uh, I just ask you to hold on this morning because I love bringing the Word of God, and I love talking about missions. Uh, I have a phenomenal family that supports me. Uh, I wish they could travel with me, but I get to do the next best thing, and that's show you pictures. So let me show you a picture of my wife and I. Uh, we've been married 25 years uh, as of August 8th of this year. Uh, this is our token picture in Africa on a safari. You can see the elephant behind us. So uh, <clears throat> love my wife. She was actually speaking this weekend in Kansas at a KidCon. So uh, we both travel and speak often. And then these are my bi biological children. The next picture, uh, back in the, your right-hand corner is my oldest, my son, Matt. Uh, down front is, is his wife, Taylor. They're married in Missoula, Montana. They are expecting our first biological grandchild in a week and a half. So we're super excited about that. So we'll be out in Montana waiting and expecting the birth of our grandson. And then you see my two beautiful daughters in there as well. Back in the back is my daughter, Abby. She's 21. And in the front there is Emma. She's 17. Emma thinks she's 27, but she's really only 17. And then the next picture, my wife and I took guardianship of a young lady back in 2010. Uh, so this is Taylor. Taylor has been with us since then. She's got two beautiful daughters, Nella and Nora. Nella is five, Nora is three. So my wife and I have been Papa and Nana now for five years uh, to two uh, girls that are not ours biologically, but there's, they're ours nonetheless. And then not pictured uh, is my mother-in-law. She also lives with me. So uh, in my house, my son left me with all women. Okay, I also have two female dogs, border collies. So people say, how is it that you travel as much as you do? It's really not that bad, okay? So, uh, but no, you know, I, uh, I'm first generation everything. So first generation AG, first generation pastor, so is my wife. Uh, we don't deserve to be doing what we do. Uh, I've served at the local level as a youth associate campus pastor. 
Uh, somehow God saw it fit to make me the district youth director in Illinois. I still laugh about that when they called me and they said, hey, you're on the short list. I'm like, Buddy the Elf at that moment. I'm like, what's a short list? I want one. You know, just like I had no idea what that meant. Um, and yet God continued to expand my territory. And then in 2018, I moved to Springfield as the uh, National Speedlight Director. Uh, since then, they've changed my title to Next Gen Missions Director because I really believe that God has called us to disciple and train up an entire generation of children and youth. Okay, like we say that it's about teenagers, our kids, but sometimes we neglect that our kids go all the way up till the age of 18. Like my daughter, Emma, though she's 17 and she thinks she can make it on her own. Okay. Emma's still my kid. Parents say, amen. Okay. She doesn't like it. She doesn't enjoy it, but that's the truth. As I've traveled around. Okay. I lead in such a way back in August, August 1st, 2018, God spoke a prophetic word over generation Z. Uh, I was in Houston, Texas, first time speaking as the national speed light director. A young lady came to the altar that evening and she said, God gave me a word for the room. Okay. At first, I thought to myself, she must think I'm crazy if she thinks I'm going to allow her to share Okay, in front of 7,000 people up on a stage of prophetic word. We, we all know that can sometimes turn sideways. But in that moment, she said to me, she said, I wrote it down. And as I began to read this word, I knew that God was setting the stage for something great with this generation of students. That word said, you are my unconventional generation with an unconventional anointing and outpouring of my spirit. There's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. Chains will break in my name. My name will spread like wildfire. My anointing will pour out like never before. And church, I'm telling you, change is coming for I'm coming soon. So from that moment, I've been leading differently. And you think of those words, there's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. Okay, when I think of those words, I think it's something that we've never seen before. And it's something that we've never read about before. And yet hold on tight because God's doing a new thing in this generation of students. So I get excited. Okay. Like I lean in, I lead. And over the past five years, it's been amazing because through Next Gen Missions, BGMC and Speed the Light, Light back in 2018, the combined total of those two ministries in our fellowship, almost 13,000 churches across our nation, combined total at the end of 2018 was 17 million. Okay, The combined total at the end of 2022 was $250,000 shy of 30 million. Okay, so God's doing something in this generation. I get really excited when I see students, I mean, like fun things happening. I, I was sharing with Pastor Hans, there, there's, a, there's a family in uh, northern New England, New Hampshire specifically, they have four teenage boys. Okay, they came up with a speed light fundraiser called Breed the Light. Let that sink in just for a moment. Some of you are like, where are you going with this? Okay, they have a labradoodle. They breed their dog and they sell the puppies for speed of light. Okay. Well, they, they made, okay, 15,000. The dog had 13 puppies. They made 15,000 for speed of light. They're like, hey, why do we stop at our dogs? Let's breed our cats and our chickens as well. <laughs> breed the light. Okay. There's no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. And I think God is starting to set the stage with this generation of young people because he really desires for a new generation to go. Okay, like we become really comfortable as I travel across the nation. And guys, I'm, I'm in a different church every Sunday morning. I see it every single week. Okay, we've been, we become comfortable in doing this thing that we call church. So let me start this morning by asking you one simple question. Would you die for Jesus? Like, like really, would you die for him? Would you give your life for him? Okay, there's those in this room, it's kind of like the, the headlights have hit you in the eyes, you're a deer standing in the middle of the road, and you're like, what's this guy talking about? No, no, I really mean it. Would you die for Jesus? Because when I look back, I've been do, I'm doing my MA right now, missional leadership, okay, and I'm reading all these old accounts, historical accounts of men and women in the first century church, and, and I wonder how we've gotten so far away from what the first century church was to who we are today. The first century church having individuals come out of it like Polycarp who gave his life burnt at the stake because he refused, okay, to deny Jesus as his savior. I think of young women at the age of 22, uh, Perpetua, 
What's amazing with her story, okay, she was well-educated, she had a child, and they wanted her to deny Jesus, and she refused. So they ripped her away from her child, threw her in prison, used her dad against her to try getting her to deny Christ. He would bring the baby in and use the baby as leverage because the baby was malnourished, because she was unable to feed it, and she's sitting there in the prison cell with her friend Felicity as they continue to threaten death upon her life. They bring her into the Colosseum in front of all these people. They set the wild animals loose on them as they're bloodied and gored by the animals. She's encouraging everyone who could hear to stand firm in the faith and believe in Jesus. Okay, They cut her head off right there in the middle of the arena. So again, I ask you the question, would you die for him? And then all of a sudden, like it was 300 A.D., and Emperor Constantine came into power. He was a Christian, and it was in 300 A.D. to where what we know today as the church was established. Do you know when Constantine established the church, okay, the spread of the gospel was stifled? Is it possible that the moment we went indoors, people stopped hearing Okay, this is what I struggle with. And when I look throughout history and I look at men and women who have really lived this thing out, okay, I too want to be able to give my unwavering yes. My yes without a doubt, I'll give my life to him. This is why I travel as much as I do. This is why I'm looking at a generation of young people and I'm saying, hey, lead differently even even then the way that I led, like give your unwavering yes. I look at men like Brother Andrews, who I'm inspired by. If you don't know his story, you can read about it in the book, God Smuggler. At the age of 27, Brother Andrews starts smuggling Bibles through the borders of areas where the Bible was completely outlawed. He wrote in his book that he would get in his light blue VW van, pack with Bibles, throw a blanket over it, and get to the border where there were guards who would search his vehicle, making sure that he wasn't smuggling Bibles into the area known as the Iron Curtain. Okay, you can watch an, uh, an interview between him and Pat Robertson on YouTube to where he shares that on one occasion, okay, he was standing outside of his vehicle and armed guards kept looking through his vehicle, looking for their Bibles, but they didn't see a thing. He said he would just simply pray, God, in the Bible, you would make seeing eyes blind, but I'm asking you right now to make, um, you would make blind eyes see, but I'm asking you right now to make seeing eyes blind. It's amazing to have that kind of faith. Okay, he, we should all take notice of his commitment this morning. He said, whenever, wherever, however you want me, I'll go and I'll begin this very minute. As I take my first step forward, will you consider this a step toward complete obedience to you? Then I'll call this part of my life my step of yes. Little did Brother, Brother Andrew know that Bibles would begin to infiltrate not only all of Eastern Europe and these countries, but every step was leading him to another step of obedience. Okay, he had a dream that before his death, he would be responsible to get a million Bibles in one single shipment to communist China. With the help of a gentleman known as Thomas Nelson, he began to print these Bibles and successfully printed a million of them and loaded them on a boat 232 tons of them in California, and as the underground church exploded in China, Brother Andrew was right there with a million Bibles to give out to the church. What's amazing was someone asked him this question. Brother Andrew, was it dangerous? Listen to his words. He says, of course it's dangerous, but it's a lot more dangerous if we don't do what God is asking us to do. Okay, my question to you this morning is, has God asked you to do something recently or in the past that you've yet to complete? Have you neglected to make an unwavering yes? And this leads me to our scripture this morning. Acts chapter 8. We read the account of the very first evangelist. Okay, to me, the first missionary that we read about in the New Testament. His name is Philip. In Acts chapter 8 verse 26, we pick up the account of Philip, and it says this, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get ready and go south to the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. In parentheses, it says, this road is not used nowadays. So Philip got ready and went. Okay. I love what it says about Philip in this moment that he just got up and he went. Now, church, I got to tell you, eight months ago, I was in 
Jerusalem. I was there in Israel. Okay, I traveled this road from Jerusalem south toward Gaza. It was amazing. Like, I'm watching what's going on right now in, in Israel, and it's crazy to think that I was just there eight months ago. I was just in the area to where things are happening. I was 30 miles due east, south of the Gaza Strip, meeting in one of the kibitzes with a guy by the name of Nadi, talking about, okay, drip irrigation to bring to Africa. It was phenomenal, the meeting, okay? But I traveled that road from Jerusalem to Gaza, and I got to tell you, it hasn't changed from the account that we're reading this morning. It's still the same exact road. There's still nothing there, okay? It's desert. It's dry. There's no trees. There's no shelter. There's no water. There's nothing. We read of this account, and it's important to understand what's going on in Philip's life right now, because if you read just a few scriptures before, you'll see that there's some amazing things happening in Samaria, Okay, the gospel is being spread. People are being healed. Okay, I can imagine we're in a church service and all of a sudden the altars are, are filled up. People are giving their lives to Jesus. People are being healed, baptized with the Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden God comes to me and says, okay, it's time for you to leave. I need you to go. And he points to this place and I have no idea where it is. Okay, I would sit there and I would want to argue because it makes absolutely no sense on paper God asking me to leave. It was like when I was, okay, in Pennsylvania, just for a year. My wife and I, we were having a blast. We were up near the Pocono Mountain region leading a youth ministry. It was growing. It was thriving. And then all of a sudden, God spoke and said, I need you go to go back to Illinois. I thought he was crazy. Okay, like I got to tell you, I had no idea why God was asking. And I think of this quote by Mark Patterson. He says this, the key to spiritual growth is the willingness to go out of your way for God. He says that you will find God in uncomfortable places and at inconvenient times. And if you go out of your way for God, God will go out of his way for you. Okay, hear me, church. Okay, for Philip, for myself to make those moves, to go forward, sometimes we have to go down. Here in this scripture, we see down is geographical, but down is also individual. What do I mean? In that moment where God was speaking to my wife and I that he was calling us from what we believe to be a thriving church in Pennsylvania to go back to Illinois, we had to go down. We had to humble ourselves. Okay, we had, we had to go down and ask God, listen for his voice in the most difficult times of our life. Okay, we want to know all the answers. We want to know exactly what God's plans are, but that's not the way God works things out. Okay, when you go down, down you feel tension. Tension isn't always bad. How, what do I mean? Well, like I'm a hunter. Okay, I love shooting a bow. Okay, when you, when you grab the string and you, you draw it back, there's tension, right? Okay, sometimes de depending on what you have the weight set on, okay, it's even more difficult to draw back the string. But when you're drawing back the string, when you're causing that tension, what's that tension enabling you to do? Launch forward. Right? Tension enables us to be launched to potentially something that we've never seen, something we've never been a part of. How do I know? Because I read in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, The attitude you should have is the one that Christ Jesus had. He always had the nature of God but he did not think that by force he should try to remain equal to God. Instead of this, of his own free will, he gave up all he had and took the nature of a servant. He became like a human being and appeared in human likeness. He was humble and walked the path of obedience all the way to death, his death on the cross. For this reason, God raised him to the highest place above and gave him the name that is greater than any other name. It doesn't make sense on paper, but God was bringing tension to launch Jesus to something greater. How often do we want to know all the answers before we give God our yes? Okay, I wanted to know the answers before I moved back to Illinois uh, back in 2008. I wanted God to tell me everything that was going to happen. Okay, how many things has God asked us or you individually to do, but you want to know the answers? You won't give him your yes until you, you know. And it could be God's asking you to take a new job for less money, but it would be healthier for your family. It, maybe he's asking you to sell something, you give that money away. Maybe he's asking you to call and ask an individual for forgiveness. Maybe you've seen missionaries. You've heard of missionaries like Austin Jones, who we're giving money to this morning. You've seen him give his life to the people in Alaska, and you're thinking to yourself, that could be me. But then you don't even entertain the thought again after the first time it initially hits your heart and your mind. 
What if you understood this morning that your yes, your absolute yes, okay, your I'm all in yes could impact the entire world. Would you then give God your yes? Philip, in this moment, he had no idea what he was saying yes to. Okay, he's looking at this scenario and he's saying, God, listen, I'm good. I'm hanging out here in Samaria. Things are going well. People are getting saved. And the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, hey, go south. He could have easily said no, but the scripture tells us that he got up and went. Why? The only assurance we have when we say yes is that, that faith never knows where it's being led, but it knows the one who's leading it. For me, my yes has always been this gut instinct. Okay, like I've always just known. Okay, our yes always involves obedience. Regarding obedience, R.T. Kendall puts it this way. God speaks, I obey, God explains, maybe. God speaks, I obey, God explains, maybe. We always want God to explain his plan to us first, but that's not exactly how God operates. Our yes is typically based on whether it fits into our life, if it's convenient at the moment, that he asked of us or if it works into our schedule. Philip could have easily said no. Instead, he got up and went. He, waited for, he didn't wait for an explanation. He just went. So we read on. Acts 8.28. Now an Ethiopian eunuch, who was an important official in charge of the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia, was on his way home. He had been to Jerusalem to worship God and was going back home in his carriage. As he rode along, he was reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Now, what I'm about to share with you, my opinion, this is one of the greatest timing patterns of the New Testament. Okay, what's a timing pattern? Okay, those of you that watch NFL, you know what a timing pattern is. It's when the quarterback says, hut, wide receiver takes off, wide receiver's trying to get to a mark. Okay, he's not watching the quarterback, the quarterback's not watching him. They're trying to get to a mark. That's where the quarterback is throwing the pass to. If the wide receiver is knocked off his pattern or if he trips and falls, the play is, okay, the timing of the pattern is thrown off and the ball is either incomplete or it's intercepted. A timing pattern involves two people taking a risk and believing that they're going to be at the appointed location at the appointed time. Everyone with me? Here you have a timing pattern. Okay, Philip had no idea and guys, being there, okay, being down by the Dead Sea back in February, February, if I were Philip, I would have been sitting there crying and complaining the entire time, thinking to myself, okay, God, you brought me here. It's hot. I was doing really good in Samaria, but here I am in the middle of the desert. I have no idea why you have me here. Okay, I'm thirsty. There's nothing to drink here. And now I'm just sitting here waiting. What am I waiting for, God? I mean, this is just the way that we do things, right? It's the carnality of mankind. We're sitting there, and all of a sudden, Philip hears this sound. He hears chariots coming down the road, and he thinks to himself, okay, like, could this be it? And we read in the scripture in Acts 29 that the Holy Spirit then says to Philip, go over to that carriage and stay close to it. Like, this is your master plan, Right? You bring me down here in the middle of the desert. I was good in Samaria, and now you want me to go over and walk. God, I'm sweating here. It's hot. Like, I'd be complaining the whole time. He goes over. He starts walking alongside the carriage. And it says that he heard this man reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He asked him, do you understand what you're reading? The official replied, how can I understand unless someone explains it to me? And he invited Philip to climb up and sit in the carriage with him. The passage of scripture which he was reading was this. Let me just pause for a second. You know, God's word puts every single detail. God handcrafted every detail that he wants you and I to hear. Okay, It's not by chance that just a couple verses before this, he could have said an Ethiopian. He could have said a man. He didn't say an Ethiopian man. He said an Ethiopian eunuch, okay? We all know what an Ethiopian eunuch is, okay? A eunuch allows himself at the pleasure of the king to be castrated so the king can trust his loyalty that he would not sleep with his wife, okay? For the kingdom, he allowed this to be done to himself, okay? All of a sudden, Philip walks along this carriage, hears this man reading this scripture, okay? Best timing pattern I've ever seen in the New Testament. He's reading this. 
He was like a sheep taken to be slaughtered. Like a lamb that makes no sound when its wool was cut off. He did not say a word. He was humiliated and justice was denied him. You think this is hitting the Ethiopian hard, reading this verse? Like, it's just, no one will be able to tell of his descendants. Right? Because of his life on earth has come to an end. The official asked Philip, tell me of whom the prophet is saying this, of himself or someone else. Okay, he felt that bond. He had something in common with this guy that he was reading about. Then Philip began to speak, starting from the passage of Scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled down the road, they came to a place where there was some water. And the official said, here's some water. What's to keep me from being baptized? The official ordered the carriage to stop. And both Philip and the official went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. Can you imagine, church? Okay, at this moment, what Philip must have felt when he knew what his yes meant. Okay, but he still didn't really know. Like, he just was seeing just his yes impacting the life of one individual. He had no idea what was really going to transpire from this encounter. God told Philip to go south, and Philip went. His timing was perfect. The Ethiopian eunuch gave his life to Jesus, was baptized. So we see all this. My question to you, if you knew what was going to happen, okay, would you say yes? Or what's holding you back from your yes? Okay, what's holding you back this morning from your yes? Being in Africa just five weeks ago, okay, we went on a safari. It's what we do when we take teams over there. We always end the week by going on the safari. Okay, we don't have safaris here in the U.S. We have zoos. Okay, that's the difference. Um, I love, in, in the safari, I love watching one animal specifically, and that's the African impala. Okay, um, they're sleek, majestic, they're quick, they're fast, I mean, super fast. Well, fun fact about the impala is impalas, when they're running full speed, they can jump one single jump 30 feet forward, okay? One single jump 10 feet high, the African impala. So here I am, Springfield, Missouri. We have the famous uh, Dickerson Park Zoo. We have the African impala. And I walk over to the exhibit, and I'm looking at the African impala, and they're just walking around in this enclosure, that mankind has put, and I'm thinking to myself just one word as I'm looking at them. Jump! <laughs> jump! You, you can go! 30 feet forward, 10 feet high, jump! But we're crafty. Humans we are. Okay? We build these enclosures to where they're down below the ground, or we put fences that are five to six, six feet high around the African impella. You know why we do that? Because the impala won't jump to the place that they can't see. How many times has God asked us to do something and we don't do it because we don't see what he sees? So let me just give you a glimpse into that this morning. Back at the turn of the century, a volunteer in a church named Ed Kimball, who led a Sunday school class for 17 young men, he said that 16 of them were great kids, but there was one in particular that was a troublemaker. He would distract the other boys, and while he wasn't distracting them, he'd be sleeping. He was completely uninterested in anything that Ed would teach on, but Ed made a decision to do something about it. Ed knew where this young man worked in downtown Chicago at a shoe store, and he decided to go there during his lunchtime hour, thinking that if he could just separate him from the rest of the boys, then he could potentially reach him. Ed Kimball worked up the courage to go down to the shoe store, he paced back and forth outside the store waiting for Dwight's lunch break at noon. As the clock struck 12, he approached him and asked him for an opportunity to talk to him. It was during this conversation on the streets of Chicago that Dwight gave his life to Jesus because of Ed's flexibility and patience. As I call him Dwight, the world knows him as D.L. Moody, one of the great American evangelists who's responsible for leading over a million people to Christ. But the story doesn't end. It's just one conversation. Okay, D.L. Moody's been preaching in Europe and America. In one of those conversations, he led to the Lord a, a man named Wilbur Chapman, who's one of the great Bible teachers who wrote a ton of discipleship material. Wilbur Chapman then leads to the Lord a major league baseball player who played for the Chicago White Sox 
named Billy Sunday, who was so touched by God, he leaves the majors and decides to preach all over the country. But he couldn't preach in a church because he wasn't ordained, so he decided to set up tents all over the country. He decided to set up a tent in Asheville, North Carolina. And in one of those services, in a tent, a really tall, blonded kid, blonde-headed kid showed up at the end of the service to be born again. We know him as Billy Graham. It doesn't stop there. There was a guy by the name of Andrew Carlson, okay, alcoholic, most of his life, okay, had three children, decided that he needed to get his life together, say so he put himself into AA. While he was in AA, someone handed him a cassette tape. It was a Billy Graham Tent Crusade cassette tape. Okay, young people, cassette tapes, look it up. Okay. I, I can talk eight tracks if you want. Um, Andrew Carlson listens to that cassette tape, gives his life to Jesus, goes home and decides that he, it's time for him to take his youngest daughter, who was the only one left at home, to church. So they, got, they opened up the phone book, went to the yellow pages. Again, young people, Google it. Um, and they went to the first church that they saw in the A's, which was the Assemblies of God. So he took his daughter to Yorkville Assemblies of God in New York, where she gave her life to Jesus, became an honor star missionette, dove into God's word, decided that she was going to attend a program in State College, Pennsylvania, called Master's Commission, where she met a young man, Eric Hoffman. Okay, they have three children. First generation pastor, first generation assemblies of God. Okay, but who knew that God would start all the way back with Ed Kimball's yes. Okay. We have no idea what it means to give him our yes. Okay. But I, my fear is that if we knew we would say yes often, but then there's that challenge of faith to where God's really looking at us for us to trust him in such a way to where no matter what it is that he asks us to do, we're going to do it. Okay. Why? Because he truly wants us to be able to say Yes, you will give your life for me, okay? And that's, for, for me, the most important thing about this morning, okay? I love that we're getting to take a sweet light offering for Austin Jones, and we're going to do that in a few moments. But the most important thing for me, guys, is trying to really put before our congregations, because as I travel and speak, I notice that there's a lot of people in our churches across the United States who are saved, but not many people allow Jesus to be their, their Lord, Okay, like we stopped there. The Apostle Paul says, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I got wrecked, okay, four years ago when I went to Tanzania. Okay, went to Mafia Island. Mafia Island is off the coast of Tanzania, off the mainland. Okay, we went there. We got on the airplane. I was scared for my life. I thought we were going to die. The air pressure changed. Everyone fell asleep but me on the flight. It was pretty amazing and yet scary all at the same time. We land in Mafia Island to where the pastor tells us, don't use the word missionary because you're, you're being spied on here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, you see, on Mafia, there's 40,000 people on this island. And 39,700 of them, okay, partake in Islam during the day in a very dark form of witchcraft at nighttime. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, your Western mind wouldn't be able to handle it, Eric. I'm like, try me. He goes, well, for instance, okay, the witch doctor on this island is, a, is, is an older woman. She shapeshifts into a bat and she fly, flies around the village at night and terrorizes all the people. I'm like, yeah, you're right. My Western mind can't even comprehend that. That's just crazy. I mean, it's nuts. But he says, but we know who the Christians are because when they give their life to Jesus, we make them go out into the town square and we make them declare that Jesus is their Lord so everyone on this island knows about it. You could see who the Christians were on Mafia Island. Okay, They were mostly the men and women that had the scars and the bruises Okay, who were beat up and persecuted for their faith. For me, I'm sitting here and I travel from church to church and we get to this moment to where we're like, hey, will you give Jesus your yes? And then we, okay, I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes and no one's going to look around and this is just between you and him. No, it's, it's, it's never supposed to be just between you and him. 
the moment we say yes, everyone around us is supposed to know about it. That way, that's what gives us the boldness and the faith. And that's why these men and women on Mafia Island are living this thing out, even through dark, deep persecution, because they really meant it when they gave him their yes. My fear in Western culture, okay, we just give our yes just because it's what everyone expects of us, but we really aren't living this thing out to where everyone sees that we're different than the rest of the world. In this day and age, church, I have a feeling it's pretty important that people recognize that there's something different about us than the rest of the world. Okay, so like for me this morning, leading toward the conclusion of this message, like understanding I don't deserve to be doing what I do. The best decision I ever made was I gave him my yes. Okay, I mean it. I would give my life for him. End game. My wife already said, Eric, I know you're probably going to die as a martyr, and I've already been working on your story so I can make some money off it. I'm like, thanks, babe. That's awesome. Okay? She was partially joking, I think. Um, but I really do. Like, I travel without fear because I really believe in this. Like, my kids believe in it. And I'm asking you in this room, if there's any doubt whatsoever between you and your relationship with him, if you're in this life to where you're like, yeah, I could probably be guilty of just living a life of salvation but not lordship. Here's what lordship looks like. Okay, young people, hear me. The unconventional generation, unconventional anointing, no precedent to an anointing of this capacity. What it looks like is he would go where you go, he would say what you say, and he would watch what you watch. That's what it looks like. You're the hands and feet of the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You get to represent him here on this earth. This is not your home. We're just passing through to bring as many people along with us to get them into heaven. That's his most important prize is people. And we get to help people get there with us. But maybe your yes this morning is for you individually. So let's just start there, okay? If you're in this room and you'd say, Eric, man, I hear you. I need to give God my yes, my unwavering yes, my without a doubt yes, okay? I want to be able to say yes to him no matter what he asks of me, no matter where he asks me to go. I want to say yes in every circumstance. But right now, I just want to say yes personally, Okay, and for some of you, that may be a first time yes. For others, that may be a rededication of yes. But I just want to give him a yes personally. Okay, everyone's looking around, much like what I saw in Mafia Island. I don't do these things anymore with eyes closed. I'm done. Okay, everyone's going to see you stand if you stand. If no one stands, we're good. I'm going to move on. But maybe you're in this room. You're like, yeah, that's me, man. I want to give my yes. It's what the Apostle Paul says. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. There's no pastor. There's no platform. There's no prescription that can get you into heaven. It's only Jesus. If that's you right now, would you stand? I want to give him my yes. Is there anyone? So we're all good. Okay. So the next thing I want to ask you to do, would you all stand with me? And I just want you, just in a moment, let me, let me just ask you to prepare your hearts for this offering, and let me just give you some substance of, of what this offering is going for. And then I'm just going to ask you to take just 30 seconds to pray, okay? And then after, when you're done praying, you can sit back down. But I just want, I want you to make yourself, okay, uh, you just have a sensitive moment with God. Austin Jones is a missionary to Alaska. I'm going to be there Thursday. Okay, Austin is reaching the unreached villages in Alaska. People don't even think about it. I had no idea growing up in the Berg okay, that there were unreached people in the state of Alaska. Okay, There are. There's also people in Alaska that don't have clean water. That blew my mind as well, so we're trying to work that out right now as well. But I watch Austin in his ministry and how vital it is for him to have a vehicle to get through the rough and rugged areas that no one else is going to. No one's volunteering to go to Alaska to where it's 24 hours of darkness at some parts of the year and 24 hours of sunlight for other parts. No one wants to go there, but Austin and his family's there. This generation's students, teenagers, believe Okay, that it's their responsibility to see to it that the gospel goes. So we get behind missionaries like Austin Jones. 
by providing his vehicle. I'm asking this church this morning to sow a seed into this Speedlight project, into a generation of students who believe that they can, into this unconventional generation. Would you take the next 30 seconds and just begin to pray? When you're done, you can be seated, and the video is going to show as the, as the ushers get ready to take this offering this morning for Speedlight. Thank you, Jesus. Partial, halfway, mediocre. These words do not describe your generation. Unconventional, sacrificial, resilient, passionate, faithful. This is who he created you to be. Believing you can. You can provide vehicles for our missionaries. You can propel the gospel through media and social networking. You can influence culture and impact the globe. But I believe this is just the beginning. You have just begun to dream about conquering the world water crisis through conventional means. You have just begun to speak up for those who are in poverty and shout out for those who have been trafficked. You have just begun to be launched to act on behalf of the lost on your campus, community, nation, and globe. Through Speed the Light, your generation has decided to be all in. All in to fight for the abandoned. All in to quench the thirst of those who have been ignored. All in to restore the broken. All in to provide transportation. All in to equip with communication. And all in to demonstrate compassion to all people. I am calling on your generation to be all in this year for allowing God to use you to your fullest potential to spread His gospel until all know the truth of His word and the love of Jesus. Rise up and be all in to speed the light to the world. Thank you for your generosity. If you can put that slide up with the vehicle and the amounts there. Uh, just so you know, uh, there's two more Sundays, the 22nd and the 29th. If you weren't prepared to give today, here's what we're looking at. And uh, we're excited to be able to provide this tool because I'm sure Austin and his family, they're having to drive all kinds of terrains. And so a vehicle like that is, it's not even, uh, it's not a luxury. It's, it's, it's necessary if they're going to get there. And so thank you for your generosity today and giving. Again, if you weren't prepared to give today, we have two more weeks. You can be able to do that. You can give online. Uh, if you give to, towards Speed the Light, our bookkeeper will know that that's for this project here. And we want to thank Eric Hoffman. I don't know if I want to thank him. or go, really, thanks, man. Thanks for really just challenging me again and uh, really putting, putting the, the challenge to all of us that you're yes to God. Um, sometimes it's, it's easy to go, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, God, yeah. But there are those moments and times in your life, and you know this, when God is asking something of you, whether it's to follow him or to do something for him that he just wants you to do. He longs because he sees everything. He sees the beginning to the end. And if you haven't said yes, if there's something you've been putting off, as he said this morning, I encourage you, don't, don't put that off anymore. Obey him, follow him. Could we stand together this morning? Jesus, we literally owe you everything. Lord, everything we have, everything we are, it all belongs to you. And God, as we consider today, again, Philip and this Ethiopian eunuch and their story and, and, and God's timing and, and how he works things out, even in, in uh, Eric's life with his, his uh, wife and uh, that, that lineage of people preaching. God, help us to never forget that when we say yes to you today and we obey you today, the incredible things you can do with our lives, not because we're incredible, but because you are. And we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word that was spoken to us. God, let us be a light wherever we go this week in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. God bless you and have a great day.